0: Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, are tools to try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call 9526 And, of course, you put a 225 in front of there. That will get you to us from anywhere inside the continental United States. That's right. And, of course, if you happen to be outside the United States, that's a pretty simple matter as well. Right. You just dial a, whatever your exit code is for your country. Okay. Either a 1 or a zero one one or whatever it might be, a one two two five, And, you and- know... Most people never thought about an exit code from their country. Well, that's right. I know I haven't. I know. We don't really call outside the United States that much. That's it. There are people who do. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure. I've got a friend who is from Bangladesh and... He's been in the United States, I guess, for about 20 years now, but he still considers Bangladesh home, still has a uh-huh. family there, so he has to call home quite often, and he speaks with his mother and his parents right. and siblings and what have you that still live there, so I guess he knows how to do it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that much opportunity to call outside the country. I have no reason to. Well, every Not once yet. in a while. Yeah. yeah. I call Mexico every once in a while. Yeah? Yeah, I got a little resort down there I like to go to. Gotcha. Like I'll be heading that way in about three or four more weeks. <laughs> 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 yeah, buddy. Got to call him and give him a credit card number. and. Yeah. Yep, set up a little, That's right. little relaxing vacation. That's a little R&R. Hey, give us a call. It's 499-9526, and we'd be glad to give you some advice and kind of help you out and chit-chat with you, or whatever else you might want to do. That's it. There you go. And uh, just in case you don't get a chance call in or something may occur to you during the week. That's right. You can always get your questions answered any time of the day or night by going to our website and giving Lewis a email. That address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Right. That contact button is on every page of our website, and mm-hmm. you can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night and get it back within 24 hours. That's right, and usually a lot faster because quite often I'm sitting at the computer and I check my email pretty frequently. So if it, a little binger goes off, and I know you've written, I'll generally send one right straight back to you or... Normally, within a couple of hours, you're going to get an answer back. and worst case scenario, like... uh, About after 8.30 at night, (laughs) it's next morning. That's right. It's after 8.30 Central Standard Time. You're not going to get it until next morning, about 5 o'clock when I get up, because that's that's basically my home hours there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, while you're on that site, there's tons of other things. Do put one article on there this morning on tires, and this kind of goes into depth, a little bit different slant on tires. And is how to take care of your tires, uh-huh. how, how to buy tires, and stuff like that. That's the most important part. Well, it is because when you go and you buy tires, number one, a lot is going to depend on where you buy them, how you buy them, and so on and so forth. So I put some information a lot of people may not have thought of, but then once you get the tire, also how to take care of it, things like should you use tire treatment on your right. tires. And this information might surprise you. Some of that is not good for the tire at all, and Best that you don't put it on, but uh, it goes into that a little bit. It even goes into how to properly repair a tire. That is a major deal. Well, that's About, right. Uh, a lot of people stab one of those string plugs through. And they end up damaging the tire, separating the tire. You bring it back for warranty, and, of course, the guy sadly informs you, I'm sorry, somebody put a plug in this tire. It's not warrantable. That's right. And now you're kind of standing there... Need a new with tire. Your hat, with your hat in hand, need a new tire. So That's it. <laughs> good article there. You might a lot of good information. You might really get some information that you can use. It's on our site. It's www.agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. I think you'll really like it. And we've got Warren online. Good morning, Warren. How
1: are you today? Doing great,
0: sir. Good morning.
1: I had a problem. I was fortunate enough to have tickets up from out of town, but I went and see the baseball game. All right. That was quite a game. Watching it was. Tigers, it huh? was, boy. Really exciting. While we were a bumper-to-bumper traffic, mm-hmm. I was driving the 2004 GMC Envoy. Okay. And it was running fine, naturally, and all of a sudden, the motor just kind of quit. Hmm.
2: And shut off? I tried
1: to uh, start it uh-huh. while we were still in traffic in line, mm-hmm. and uh, it would turn over, but it wouldn't start. It okay. It didn't have any fire at all. Hmm. So we pushed it into a nearby parking lot. Yes, sir. And then waited like a minute or so,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then tried to start it, and it started up just fine. Mm-hmm. So we said, "Well, we got tickets to the game, so that's why we decided to say we're going to leave this car and go watch oh, the yeah. fighters." Well, something. absolutely. <laughs> I got your priorities <laughs> and So, straight so then anyway. when we, we came back, decided to say, "Well, we don't want to fight this traffic," so uh-huh. we went and I started it right up right then. Yes, sir. And it started just fine, and and then we said, "Well." After the traffic had died down, then we were able to drive back to my sister's house and, mm-hmm. and it drove back, you know, 40 miles an hour just without a problem yes, at sir. all. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to figure out what kind of a pictures yeah. to look at.
0: Warren, that's not going to be anything you're likely going to be able to find easily. There's just so many possibilities. One is, of course, the fuel pump could have got hot, shut down. Two is the crank sensor could have got hot, shut down three is the cam sensor i mean on and on and on and on and on what i would do first off is to get someone who has a general motor scan tool a tech 2 go in and retrieve whatever data it will have a fail record from when it died and it's not going to be any code you can act directly on but it will have information that can guide you in the right direction for instance Let's say it's got a bunch of misfire codes and lean codes. Well, then we can suspect it probably was running out of gas, so now we're starting to look at fuel pump-type issues. Let's say it's got a cam-crank-sync code. Well, then we know that probably either the cam or the crank sensor dropped out. So that will not tell you what is wrong, but that will – at least give you some insight into where to start looking. There's just so many possibilities we could go on and on and on and on and on. I mean, even something like the oil pressure sender unit going bad and cut the oil pressure could cause the engine just to shut down like that. I mean, there's lots and lots and lots of things that could be more. You'll you, really run out of money before you run out of gases. And you may, you may cause other problems <laughs> And in the you meantime. may create other issues. So, I mean, there's not anything you're going to be able to go and do other than just do a general inspection. Oh, yeah, here's a wire that's burned up. Get just totally lucky. Unfortunately, this may not occur again for two months from now. Uh, it will occur again. I'll guarantee you that. But it's just going to be how often it happens. It's going to be incredibly frustrating to you unless, you know, the best possible thing is it happens again today and happens again tomorrow. Well, then, yeah, it can be found pretty easy. But let's say it's one of those things that only occurs once every three months. Well, that's very frustrating. If there's no code stored, no failure record stored, you don't know where to even start looking. And the absolute worst possible thing is, well, maybe it's this. Because maybe it's all kind of stuff. But you go in there and start changing stuff. Well, now you may put a defective part in and create a problem. Now you got two problems. And on and on and on and on and on it goes. But there's literally, I could probably name 10 dozen different things it could be. I mean, but we're just strictly guessing. So first step is to get someone. What we would do at AGCO is I would go in, scan all the data, look for any kind of connections or anything like that, shake everything, pull everything, prod on everything, let it sit there and run and see if I can duplicate it spend about an hour with it if i just don't find anything at that point i'm advising just to keep driving until it gets a little more consistent because all i'm gonna do is waste your money i'm not gonna mm-hmm. find it and neither is anybody else
1: mm-hmm.
0: right it, it being an electrical if say it was an electrical issue if it's working now then it's working yeah it's either zero so or one right so. there's no way to check it for maybe sometimes it doesn't work right it, yeah. you know you got a module or something that's shutting down i mean even something like the theft control module it could have just freaked out and thought the car was being stolen and shut it down. So there's so many things that can disable it that unless there's some data stored, which is a very good chance on an old Ford, there will be some fail records. So Mm-mm. don't let anybody tamper with it. You know, Don't disconnect the battery or any of that kind of stuff because you'll lose whatever data is in there. And you can't use just a code reader because that's not going to get it. That right. only stores emissions codes. you got to have somebody to retrieve that information for you and understand what it means. Right. That's, that's right. the big part. And don't let them clear anything out. You go anywhere because really and truly, you're best off to wait till Monday. And I hate to say this because I know I'm going to get in trouble, but most of the better shops are not open on weekends, I can tell you.
1: Yeah. And I kind of had an idea that was the case. That's why I was a little concerned. I'm supposed to go to New Orleans
0: afternoon yeah and, uh, and I tell you and, I think what I would do if you got another car I'd go in another car if I had to rent a car I'd probably go rent a car and what I'd try to do is drive this one around town to see if I could duplicate it but not put myself in a bind yeah because it may die and not start again most mm-hmm. likely it's gonna continue to do what it did it's gonna die then it's gonna sit a little while and it's gonna start again but one time it's not and of course when that happens the good point is it, it'll be easy to find you know a dead man's pretty easy to diagnose yes <laughs>
1: Yes, I understand that. So, yeah,
0: I'd probably try to keep it in a walkable distance <laughs> of my yeah. house or, or, you know, at least carry a cell phone with you whenever you get in it where you got someone who can pick you up just in case and try to drive it around, see if you can get to duplicate, and if you can see a pattern to when it occurs or, yeah, every time I do this it occurs or when it occurs this also happens or anything like that. Yeah, any information, any more information that you can supply is going to get it a it's lot gonna, easier. Right. Mm-hmm. So give the right technician right. enough information right. and, to work with. A, a good, good tech has certain things he can check. Would I'd say a 50-50 shot of finding something as yeah. it is right now, but if it's in that other 50%, well, it's just almost impossible.
1: Yes, I understand. Okay. All right. And yeah, in a, intermittent a problem like it you, is. Oh, it is, right, and, and uh, intermittent electrical, about especially. a 9- or 10-hour drive back to Texas, so that's going to be another issue that we'd be looking at.
0: Wow, yeah, I would Seven, certainly, uh, when were you planning on going back? Towards Thursday or yeah. Friday. Yeah, so you got a little bit of time? Of yeah, Monday morning, you could probably find a decent shop who'll be able to help you with that. And I would go in and do just a rudimentary check because, I mean, you get lucky, you could find a burnt uh, wire on the crank sensor or something like that. I mean, sometimes you do get lucky, like times not. But mm-hmm. I'd sure hate to see you halfway between here and Lake Charles <laughs> 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 sitting on Side interstate, you know? <laughs> For
1: sure. Huh? Yeah. For sure. Well, your shop just happens to be not too far from my sister's house, so I may come see you Monday morning. Okay, yeah, we'll
0: just give Elaine a call Monday morning.
1: All right. All right, sounds sir. sounds real good. Right. I appreciate it. Right. Thanks, Thanks sir. That, yes, sir. All right. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526, the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive I we'd love to have you. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? I'll be glad to try to help you out as best we can. You know, that is a real frustrating Incredibly predicament frustrating. to be frustrating. It is, not only for the car owner, but for the shop who's trying to help him, just right. because there is nothing that you can really do. You wish there was, but what some people will do or some shops will kind of give in to the temptation or the – I guess the pressure that people will put, oh, you got to do something, you got to do something. But you are doing something is no better than doing nothing. Because exactly. You're not At this fixing point. the problem. At this point, you may create another problem, and all you're doing is spending the guy's money. Right. And like I've always told people, I said, well, what about this? Well, yeah, what about everything? Exactly. You know, if you just got to go spend some money, go buy a valve stem cap. That's it. It's it ain't going to fix it, but it's cheap. <laughs> Neither is what you're going to do. And uh, you know? uh, it costs a lot. Right. Putting <laughs> a valve stem cap on is not going to cost that much either. Well, that's right. It's not going to cause any more problems well, than you well, already got. Well, that's right. You know, Go buy yourself a new tie. You know, that ain't going to help it either, there but at you least go. you got a new tie now. So <laughs> uh, when you enter an intermittent issue like that, uh, fortunately, on some of the newer stuff, like an 04 and on up, it will store a failure record in many cases, not always, but in many cases. And probably the worst possible scenario is when the PCM itself, power control module, actually fails because that is what stores everything. Exactly. So when it fails, it doesn't know that it's bad. Right. So yeah, it's Derek the with, brain. With the right technician that knows this kind of these kind of systems and knows mm-hmm. how to work on them and understands them, mm-hmm. you got a much better chance than. Just throwing parts at it. Well, that's right. And seeing, well, how, maybe it's a fuel pump. Well, maybe it is, but very likely maybe it ain't. Exactly. And you just went and blew. If you bought a good fuel pump, probably 700 bucks on a maybe, And there's a whole lot of maybes. (laughs) (laughs) Way too many maybes for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's for absolutely sure. So, yeah, start out just scanning, see if there's any data, see if there's any failure records, move on from there, do a good shake test on all the wires. And if you understand the way the car works, you know what things could have caused that. So you check all of those, see if there's any discoloration on any of the connectors or any of that kind of stuff, anything that would indicate an overheat situation. Seen oil leaks cause a problem like that. Oil will leak out onto the crank sensor. And get into wiring and cause a short sometimes. Well, it'll swell up the rubber that holds it tight, and then it vibrates, and so the little terminals get loose. And when terminals get loose, many times you're only talking about five volts, so it doesn't take a whole lot to kill a five-volt signal. Exactly. Hey, we got to take a quick little break. John, hold on. You'll be straight up after this break.
2: i get your kicks. En route. Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a few things that chap my hide lately. $150 jeans, vanity licenses that are too complex to read, billboards that say drive carefully. Think about that one. Child beauty pageants. I mean, let's go ahead and set these kids up for failure before they get to kindergarten. And how about when you try to be nice and let someone out in traffic and they won't go because they're talking on the cell phone. Here's a message for you. Put the phone down! Another thing that chaps my hide is repair shops that use Swaptronics to fix your car. That's where they can't pinpoint the exact problem, so they just change parts, hoping to fix something, which means your repair bill could double. The experts at Agco determine the exact problem, then fix it right the first time, at the price quoted, which does not chap my hide. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A G C O A U T O.com. Agco, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back. You just joined us, the Automotive Army I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. De Brian Terry. Have Tune Tools try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Once you going to give us calls, 499 9526, and we'd be glad to try to help you out and get you some free advice. There you go. <laughs> we got John's been patiently holding. Good morning, John.
3: Good morning, Louis and Brian. I hope you all are having a good morning. Good, good. Very Thank you. good. I need some free advice. You bet. Okay. And when you get ready to tell me, I'm, I want to hang up something. Listen to you on the radio, I can hear better than on the phone. Okay, but good deal. Anyway, bottom line, Lewis, I got a 03 Mercury Grand Marquis, 142,000 miles. Okay. All original. Mm-hmm. I've noticed in the past couple of weeks around 30 or 40 when it's trying to shift into high gear.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm getting some slippage or jerking.
0: A little ch- shutter, right. right?
3: And uh yeah, a shutter. That's mm-hmm. a good description. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm at the point, I like the car. It's been a good car, mm-hmm. but I'm at the point, do I want to start putting money into it or do I want to trade it? And what I want to ask you is I know it's probably going to need transmission work and probably a good going over tune up. But mm-hmm. what I'd like for you to do is just tell me if it puts, you know, three, 4,000 in it, what I could expect. Mm-hmm. I know you don't, you can't tell the future, but
0: well, I'm just debating I tell you what, John, that problem is incredibly common on that vehicle. And it's probably not going to be a transmission problem per se. That's what they call torque converter shutter. And it's not actually going into high gear. It's already gone to high gear by 40 miles an hour. But what it's doing is the torque converter is locking up. In other words, it's got a clutch inside of the torque converter. And when you get to about 40, 45, it locks up one-to-one so that the torque converter no longer slips. And that gives you better gas mileage. One reason those cars get such good gas mileage but when it engages, it can chatter, and it'll feel like you're running over a cattle garden road, just a quick kind of a thing. It doesn't last long, maybe five seconds, but it's a shutter, and I tell you the way you can absolutely guarantee that is it is go drive the car, and when it does it, keep one foot on the gas, reach over and touch the brake pedal with your other foot, and if you touch the brake pedal and it immediately quits, then that's it, because when it sees brake application, it's going to jump out of lockup and that's going to be that now to solve that problem most of the time a good proper transmission service can solve that that's not a flush of any kind that's a real transmission service with mercon 5 and what we do is we drop the pan we drain all the fluid we replace the filter and most important on that one, you retark all the valve body bolts because what happens is that the valve body gasket tends to shrink up a little bit and it produces a cross leak, which can make it even worse. Now, most of the time, a good proper service is going to get that out. If it does not get it out, worst case scenario, you'd have to change the torque converter. But that, again, is going to be way less than a transmission job. So. Either way, I don't think you're into a real major, major issue. To answer your second question about whether it's worth it, I get that question all the time, and people will come in, like a lady right now, she's got a little Toyota, in fact she called a couple weeks ago, and brought it in, she had some engine problems, and she wants to know whether it's worth putting a motor in this car. Well, if you think about it, the car is worth zero right now because it doesn't really run. If you put, say, five thousand dollars into it and put a motor in in the vehicle well now you can drive the car for three four more years if you want to you could probably still get five thousand when you sell it so to me a car is worth enough to get from point a to point b what's my other option my other option is a used car which is probably ten to fifteen thousand dollars maybe having some problems right that you know nothing about that's right see this car you know everything about it you know what has been done to it you know it's been done to your liking standards that's right. right And you're familiar with the car. You start buying a, a new used car, mm-hmm. then you have Another somebody somebody else's problems you know nothing about. That's right. You may have any kind of issue. And of course, the other option is buy a new car. But now we're talking thirty to forty thousand dollars. So and you tie into it for at least six years. Well, and in this economy, I just don't think I want to owe somebody thirty five, forty grand for a new car because right. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Exactly. You know, the stock market might drop ten thousand points tomorrow, and you know there you are with a big old car note. So. Anyway, what I would do to hedge my bet, John, before I did anything else, is bringing in, let's do what we call a general inspection. We will go all through the car, pull all the wheels, check all the brakes, check the belts, check the hoses. We could drop the pan, check the transmission. We could check codes, pending codes, check the condition of the cooling system, all that And if the car has otherwise good bill of health, I wouldn't have any problem putting some money into that car because it's a better car than you could probably buy. And especially if it does what you want it to do. That's right. If you're going from point A to point B on the interstate, it's perfect for that. It gets great gas mileage. You're hauling four or five people in it, a little bit of luggage. That's a perfect car for that. That's right. Now, if you're towing a 20,000-pound boat with it, (laughs) then you've got the wrong vehicle. Yeah, yeah. But let's say you put $2,400 in it. Kept it for two more years. I mean, you know, what's that? That's a hundred dollars a month. Exactly. Yeah, what you could drive for hundred dollars a month? Nothing. So that's (laughs) it. (laughs) So anyway, I hope that totally answered your question for you. And if not, you can always give me a call back or send me an email, and I'll be glad to try to get you some either further advice. There you go. That is a question that I get a lot from folks because we get a lot of people in. Most people today are keeping their cars much, much longer than they used to. Oh, most definitely. I mean, the average car we're seeing probably has 100,000 miles on it now. Many, many of them have up to 200,000, and we've got a pretty good sampling of people with close to 300,000. Right. Built virtually the best cars that they ever will build from the mid-90s through the mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got better, 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 better until cars almost didn't break if you just halfway took care of them. Right. Now, in my experience, somewhere around 06 or 07 Particularly after they all started going bankrupt, that all really took a change. It did. We, we're seeing tens, elevens, some twelves coming in coming already, in already with major, major issues. I mean, transmissions, engines, turbochargers. Right. Uh, you know, they're they're air out conditioners. Of, they're out of the factory warranty by mileage, not by time. Yeah. And most people are not going back to the dealership with them anymore, yeah. and they're we're seeing them. Oh yeah, I mean, we had an 08 Saturn come in yesterday. I think it was. These needs $2,800 worth of air conditioning work. Wow. Compressors come apart, all the condensers everything all. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and this is like a 55,000-mile car wow. a few years old, and that is so common to see that. And with all the technology and all they piling on, because they're, they're piling stuff on their right and left trying to sell cars. More gadgets sells more cars, so people buy all this backup camera and navigation system and, and yeah, 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 Auto parking and, oh, and yeah. all that. Oh, yeah. Well, it's cool to look at, but... You know, one day you get in the car and you hit the switch and the screen comes up blank and it's flashing at you saying, now that everything's working on a CAN bus. Right, the CAN bus just went Chernobyl on you. One module goes down the car won't run anymore. Well, yeah, and these modules are a thousand bucks a piece and the car doesn't go without it because now you got no dashboard, you got no this, you got no that. And it's just not like the old cars where you could just go and either elect to not fix this, I'll just keep driving it like it is, Uh or maybe we could do a patch on it or we could fix something or whatever. They are incredibly, incredibly expensive to fix when they do go down, and they go down a lot. They and do. the newer they get, the worse they seem to be. So you need to hold on to your old one as long as you possibly can. Maybe they'll make some major fundamental changes in the, the future. but I would hope so because what's coming out what now, coming in my opinion, is, is just well, it's not any good. By the sorriest cars I've seen since I've been working on. <laughs> I've been working on 45 years. There so. you go. <laughs> hey, we're going to take another quick little break and be right back with more.
2: Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a few things I'm tired of. I'm tired of reality TV. There's nothing real about it. I'm tired of all those housewives, the Kardashians, the brides, the bachelors, celebrities in rehab. Here's an idea. Let's ship all the Flavor Flaves, Snookies, and Honey Boo Boo's off to a deserted island. And watch America's average IQ jump up a few points. I'm also really tired of automotive repair shops that promote an $89.95 brake job and then hit the folks for $500 and give them a lousy job. Listen to me, and take your vehicle to Agco, where you get quality work performed right the first time for a reasonable price. And that, my friends, is a reality. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco. It's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldizan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Tools try to answer any automotive questions you might have, why don't you go ahead and give us a call. at 499-9526. And we've got Thomas on the line. Good morning, Thomas.
3: Morning, Lewis. How y'all got it? You're doing great, Good sir. morning, sir. I only heard a piece of that last conversation that y'all had right before the break, but the guy was like just thinking about getting a new car. Mm-hmm. I had y'all check one for me recently that okay. I was looking at for my daughter. Uh-huh. Uh, I had 204,000 miles when I brought it to you. Mm-hmm. And you said, don't be scared? Well, I tell you what, she and I just put 700 miles on it this past weekend mm-hmm. without a hiccup. 37 miles to the gallon. Oh, I know. There you go. I
0: know. I tell you, those old cars, man, like in the mid-90s to the mid-2000s, that's the best cars they ever built. They really had to act together for a while. I think what they figured out was people are keeping these cars way too long. Everybody keeps that car 200,000 miles. That's another car we didn't sell. Well, this
1: one's
3: a little 99 simple Toyota Corolla. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. 37 miles to the gallon. Mm -hmm. Never a hiccup. Did great oh yeah so if, as long as you check them out and, and keep them you know keep them up keep
0: them up keep driving them man yeah you gonna have to spend a little money here and there but i tell you it's a whole lot less than paying notes on a new one
1: anyway i just want to tell you i appreciate it y'all do good work oh well, thank you Thomas. Thomas.
0: appreciate thank you, it thanks sir bye-bye, bye-bye. 499-9526 the number if you want to be part of the automotive i we would love to have you and we're going back to the lines with john good morning john
1: hey good morning gentlemen How good y'all morning sir. doing great I got an 01 caravan, 3.8 engine. It's getting terrible gas mileage. It's getting literally about 12 miles to a gallon. Wow,
0: that is bad, yeah. Uh,
1: It's got no codes in it. Every now and then the engine will have a little bit of a stutter to it. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Any ideas what I might be? I'm going to tell you, John,
0: the most common thing that could knock mileage down or most common things that could knock mileage down that much would be, number one, make sure it's getting a full operating temperature because if the thermostat is stuck open and the engine's running cold so you don't have a choke on that engine mm-hmm. it's got an ejection so when it whenever the engine is running cold it double fires those injectors and it is going to mileage will drop in the toilet i mean that engine temperature is the number one input to fuel mileage so okay. check that first make sure the thermostat is getting the full operating temperature and when i'm Talking full temperature, I don't mean 180 degrees. You know, it's got to get up to close to 200 degrees, and that last 20 degrees makes a major, major difference in fuel mileage. That's going to be number one. And then you can't always go by your dash gauge either, right? Because it may have two sensors: it may have Correct. one for the computer and one for the dash gauge. And if it thinks it's not getting the temperature, so it don't matter if it is or not. I've seen those sensors send out a negative 40 degrees, right? Before is in the gauge and is reading right, working. and the computer thinks it's minus 40 degrees, so it's just flooding the devil right. out the engine. See. That would be the number one thing. Number two, something like an oxygen sensor that is reading off range. And now I'm not talking about bad. It's different, bad and off range is two different things. If the oxygen sensor fails to read, it's going to throw a check engine light. But if it's Uh reading wrong, you know, it just, the range gets off on it. Then it's not going to throw a check engine light. And what an oxygen sensor does is it reads the amount of oxygen left in the exhaust, the less oxygen, the more complete the combustion it assumes. So that means it's going to start to lean back. So if it thinks that the mixture is leaner than it's supposed to be, it's going to start enriching that fuel-air mixture up. So that would be number two. Number three would be a plug, a wire, or something that is misfiring but not misfiring constantly. If It misses like once every 20 times. You may not perceive it, but that's going to be a pretty significant amount of loss in fuel mileage. So those would be the kinds of things with that large, I mean, on smaller losses of mileage, I can think of a number of things, you know, something like not going to lock up or those sorts right. of things, but those are going to be much smaller amounts of loss. So okay. one,
1: one thing I'd like to add is I do have an EVAP code, but I don't consider an EVAP code. Well, yeah, that no, person. that can do
0: it. That can definitely do it because, see, let's say the solenoid is stuck open and it's sitting there purging fumes out of the gas tank, that's going to evaporate a whole bunch of gas. So, okay. yeah, I would definitely get after that real quick. Okay. Yeah, All right, gentlemen. Def- well, definitely can you. drop your mileage.
1: All right, gentlemen. Thank you. All very right, much, John. Dr. Thanks for right,
0: Bye-bye. All right, four nine 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 five two six number. If you want to be part of the automotive I we'd love to have you. You know, any check engine light that's on needs to be addressed. Oh, absolutely. And see, the problem with an evap code is that if the purge solenoid stuck open, then it could sit there and continually purge fumes out of that tank, which is going to lead to evaporation of your gasoline. But not only that, it's also going to richen up the fuel air mixture, which is going to screw with your airflow meter and your Correct. all the other stuff because it's not getting and it's gotten more gas in there than it should have and it knows that so it starts doing all kind of weird stuff because it's confused right so yeah like you said almost anything that will turn a check engine light on in any kind of a modern car and when i say modern anything from 96 on up correct is going to be cause for concern a lot of times we'll get folks in they'll say well i've got an oxygen it's just an oxygen sensor So, well, do you realize just an oxygen sensor is protecting those two catalytic converters that cost $1,000 each on your car? Exactly. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, there's no, I remember a commercial they had, and there's no unimportant parts. And, boy, that is the absolute – Especially on today's modern cars. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have stripped these things down to the point that if it's on there, you can bet your bottom (laughs) dollar it's got to be. Right. Uh, Talking to a fella yesterday, he's got a little Pontiac G6, and the drive shaft has gone bad on Uh it. GM has actually discontinued this drive shaft. Isn't that great? 2006 model car. Isn't that great? Yeah, go buy a new car. Six years, no, we don't longer make it. Yeah, we don't make that anymore. And there's no aftermarket parts. There's nothing available. There's no way to fix it. So basically, just get rid of the car. Right. And he said there's a company that makes a one-piece shaft you can put in his place. I said, well, let me tell you something. If you could get by with a one-piece shaft, Jim darn sure wouldn't have put a two-piece shaft in it. Exactly. So he's in a real tight situation because he can't get the part he needs. And hopefully, he'll be able to find somebody who can maybe make him a replacement or Something like that, but right. it, it's got a real weird... Uh, it does. It's an independent rear suspension, which means the center section is actually bolted to the body of the car, Right. but it has a two-piece drive shaft in it. Well, and it uses that old Mercedes-style rag joint right. instead of a U-joint. And, and then it's got a center a carrier. Center carrier, correct. Yeah. It's kind of a real... Oh, it's an odd, odd deal. The real deal. <laughs> Going back to our phone lines with Melvin. Good morning, Melvin.
1: Yeah, Lewis, I have a 96 Ford F-250. Okay. And something happened in my shift because my pointer ain't lining up on the, yeah, on the, the indicator. Little indicator. Yeah, the indicator? Indicator, so bad now I can't even get it in the park.
0: If it's just the indicator not lining up, Melvin, there's a little cable and it goes mm-hmm. to a little spring loaded device. Right. The adjustment gear where you can actually adjust whether the pointer points to the letters yep. actually breaks. Mm-hmm. And you can go in there and change just that part. But if the shifter physically will not go into park, Right. Then you've got a linkage problem somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's a separate yeah. issue. That's a completely separate issue. Either a bushing, or it could even be the shaft that goes inside the transmission may have this worked itself out. loose from something inside the transmission. So,
1: uh, I have to put it neutral now to start it. It won't go up high enough.
0: Yeah, now is it so actually going when
1: it's in, in? When it, when the shifter is high as I can raise it, uh-huh. it's actually in reverse.
0: Okay, so it's physically not in park. It'll still roll right. if you push it yeah that's going to most likely be something either in the linkage or in the shaft on the side of the transmission case fortunately i believe melvin we can repair that shaft without dropping the transmission you may have to take the pan off get inside drop the valve body out but i think that can all be repaired from the outside and there's and it may just be some of the bushings and some of the linkage some of the grommets and all and what year mile did you say it was
3: 96
0: see ford has probably discontinued all that stuff sure. we've got most of those bushings available to us that we can get and replace. And we've also got an assortment of them that a lot of times we can make work. But, yeah, okay. we do a lot of rebuilding those linkages. It's uh, just we, getting in there and finding out what's actually out of what, play. Parts, like parts. something
1: happened all of a sudden. Right.
0: So it's something probably like, a bushing just deteriorated and fell out, or the shaft that goes inside transmission and nut on it may have started backing off and something slipped out of position. Right. Nothing that can't be fixed, but I wouldn't leave it like that because you could oh, end up. Oh, it's
1: getting dangerous. Yeah, it, well, yes, that's it's
0: going to get to where it won't shift at all some point, or it could stick it between two gears and end up damaging your transmission. So. Right.
1: Okay, Lewis, thank you, man. Okay, Melvin. All right, thanks, man.
0: That's something that happens on Ford. Ford really had a problem with the linkage bushings, they were real poor quality. Yeah, and they'd break all the time, deteriorate and go out and stuff. Right. Hey, we're going to take one more little quick break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour.
2: Just a guy here for Agco Automotive with a little advice for those who overshare on Facebook. I know, I friended you. But please, I don't need to know what you had for breakfast or where you just scratched. I don't need to know your Uncle Dominic's political beliefs or that your mom painted her kitchen the color called Frosted Fern. And for the last time, we don't care that your cat, Doogie Meowser, really looks like Neil Patrick Harris. Some more advice? In this tight economy, why waste money on a new vehicle? Stick with your older model and take good care of it to make sure it lasts. Come to AGCO for quality maintenance and repair, and we'll save you from throwing money away on a big note so you can pay other bills or save for something else. In Facebook terms, that's something you'll definitely like. Want more info? Visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the
0: final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Albazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, turn to us to try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Just go ahead and give us calls. 499 9526. And you throw a 225 in front of that. That will get you to us from anywhere in the continental United States. That's right. You happen to be listening on maybe iHeartRadio or one of the other fine services. Go ahead and give us a call. We always love hearing from our friends outside of our normal calling area. There you go. And in case you don't get a chance to call in, of course, you can always go to the website, send us an email. Got a stack of email here just from folks around the I guess you say around the world. Around the world, yeah. Got a fella here from Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. Great. Uh, got a 2010 Ford F 150. So he listens to the podcast all the time. And he wanted an opinion. He says, do you always consider changing every 3,000 miles, or does time make difference? Mm -hmm. And what are we changing? And this is all in his vehicle. Okay. And that's a good, good, good question. And like I wrote, miles is not a good indicator of change need. More it's the type of use and the type of load the vehicle gets. For instance, if you are driving long distances, like we've got some people who put probably their average trip is 25 miles. Uh Uh-huh. And every time they get in the vehicle, they drive 20, 25 miles. They can go longer. I sure. mean, they could probably go four or 5,000, even 6,000 miles between changes without a whole lot of problems. Sort of like when I go on vacation, I change my oil before I go. Well, I'd go drive 3,000 miles, maybe go to New York and back. But when I get back, there's no reason to change that oil because it's like brand new. Sure. Because that oil has just run at a continuous speed. That is ideal conditions. The for temperature the oil. has come up and pulled all the moisture out of it. So it's not so. Yeah, latent with whatever's in there is balled out the pc system scavenged it out so yeah that's ideal conditions but the other side of the coin is like most folks their average trip is only three four miles they get in the car to go to the grocery store they get in the car to go to church they get in the car to go to the beauty parlor they get in the car they go get a haircut Uh uh-huh go to work whatever and you like i live probably four to five miles from where i work so my car never even gets to operating temperature sure by the time you get to the shop it's you yeah. shut it down, it sits there all day, that's you right. get in it, you go home, and that's the majority of its life. That's right. It's back and forth to work. And when I get to 3,000 miles, that oil is 100% depleted, contaminated, just needs changing Correct. immediately. And there are folks who actually put even less miles than that. Now, there is a time factor involved. I would say at very, very minimum, you have to change all twice a year. Uh-huh. And that's for people who put maybe 5,000 miles a year on a car. Okay. I would not ever go more than every six months, and really closer to probably every four months would be better. And, you know, I've seen some of these computer Most all your new cars have an onboard or life monitor. Mm-hmm. And I've seen them go 7,500 to almost 10,000 miles before. That's right. And not come on. That's right. Yeah, a lot of them go really, really long. In fact, I have know some some European cars that say, hey, change all once a year, period. Don't even worry about the miles. Wow. Yeah, I just think it's real real short-sighted i know the number of oil leaks that we get nowadays folks will come in the rear main seals leaking the valve cover gaskets are leaking the front seals leaking Uh the oil pan gaskets leaking whatever these are big 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 repairs and inevitably when you tear the motor down the seals are as hard as a brick yes well the reason that rubber is so hard is because the things in the oil that keep it pliable have depleted they've gone away because that oil's gotten old, it's gotten worn out. Now, it may still be lubricating the engine. Actual lubricating part of the oil may still be hanging in there, but all the additives, the polymers and all that kind of stuff, right, the detergents. Totally depleted. Yeah, they're gone, man. And it just causes all kinds of problems. So just a good, good question. Yes, time does take a toll, so time is also a factor. Got a second one here from a fella in, I hope it's Camloops. British Columbia, wow! N- another one of our Canadian friends. Okay, had a little Kia Optima, and he was asking about servicing the transmission. He says he went to see about a filter for it, and they told him it didn't have a filter. Okay. Well, that's partially true and partially not true. It does have a filter, but it's built inside the unit on that particular transmission. Right, it's a non-serviceable part unless the unit is coming out. You would apart. have to. Well, you could service it, but it'd take you ten hours to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to take transmission out and take it apart, but uh huh. On those type transmissions, what is important is to do a double drain and fill. And see, a lot of Hondas use that same type of a design. Right. What you do, I think it's an Ace and Warner type transmission, if I'm not mistaken. What you would have to do is to drive it, get it hot, take the plug out, drain the fluid, and about four quarts are going to come out. At that point, you let it drip until all the trash and stuff comes out. Put the plug back in. Fill it up with fresh fluid. Go drive it about 20 minutes and then come back and do it again immediately. And what happens is that when you start the vehicle, the pump pumps all the fluid up into the filter. When you turn it off, that fluid runs back out, which temporarily washes it out the best that it can. So the trash is floating down the bottom of the sump at that point. So if you drain it immediately, you can get the majority of it out. It's still suspended in the fluid. And most of those transmissions, the drain plug actually has a magnet on the end Mm -hmm. of it. That's right. Which will catch the majority of the metallic parts, the stuff that comes out in the metallic parts. Yeah, that's floating around. You need to clean that magnet off, too, when you service that trans. Mm -hmm. It's different than most trans. That's right. But it seems to be... It's a lot easier to service. Well, it is, and... Doing a double drain and fill is not an ideal service, obviously, because you can't change the filter, and the filter is the problem. But it's the best that you can do on that particular unit, that type of unit. It's just the only provision they give you. And what is important is to do that relatively frequently. If I had a transmission like that, I would be doing that about every 30,000 miles. Exactly. Because it's fairly inexpensive. In fact, you could do it yourself pretty easily. But if the filter does become restricted, You got to remember now we're into the transmission, right? The unit has to come out and be torn apart, torn apart. And you're going to have a major, major repair on your hand. So if you've ever seen one of those units in pieces on the workbench, it ain't pretty. It's no, it's a (laughs) sight. Yeah. There's a bunch of pieces in it. So just because it doesn't have a filter doesn't mean it doesn't need to be serviced. It means it actually needs to be more serviced a little bit more frequently. So good, good question. Got another one here from a fellow up in Indiana. And he said that his radiator went bad, and it actually filled his transmission up with coolant, or Uh-oh. at least he got coolant in the transmission fluid. Okay, so the cooler broke. Yeah, the cooler actually breaks on them. And you got to remember on an automatic transmission, most of them, the cooler for the automatic transmission is in the bottom of the radiator. It's a little separate radiator that the fluid's running through. If you get a crack in that tank, then antifreeze or coolant can get into your transmission. Correct. And he was wondering if he flushed it out, if that would help unfortunately on an automatic transmission the way the clutches are designed they're designed to run in oil all the time right so the type of adhesives they use for the clutch materials are going to be water soluble because they're not petroleum soluble if they were the petroleum would break them down Most of them are water-soluble, so any time water or glycol or coolant gets in, it's a done deal. Sure. It's just a matter of time. It is. It may go a ways further, and a ways I can't define. It might be two weeks. It might be two months. Right. It's inevitable. Inevitable extremely rare cases i've seen them go a couple of years but that's almost never generally they will fail within a month right when the coolant gets into them that that coolant starts breaking the, it's going it to start to slip because the clutches are deteriorating when it starts to slip the clutches wear faster then they go metal metal and starts eating up starts generating metal the metal gets in the solenoids jams the solenoids at that All point right. you're into total failure it's a new unit then not a rebuilt one. it is and You're actually better off to go ahead and tear it down right now because you may get by with just clutches and seals Uh and maybe a torque converter at this point, which would be kind of what we call a light rebuild. Okay. As opposed to letting the clutches eat up the drums and eat up the different. Then then you're into a heavy rebuild. Well, yeah, you start changing gears and parts or maybe a replacement unit because you can actually get to a point where it just can't be fixed anymore. the, The cost of fixing it will exceed the value of, of the transmission itself. Right. We see it happen. Well, that's right. So another thing is you will get into where you're driving high water. And particularly on a Honda, the little dipstick is right in the front of the transmission There's also a little vent tube right on top of that transmission. In fact, there's an article on the website on driving through high water. Uh-huh. And you'd be surprised at what high water really is. If that water is up about midway of your tire then it's too high it's too high because as you drive through the water the bumper is pushing this water it's creating a wake and that is rising up in the engine compartment behind the bumper uh-huh sort of a wave more or less and that wave can easily wash over top of that transmission when it does it's going in sure when it does it's going to be a transmission be got not to mention a lot of other things that are going to happen later on down the line because well, of the water. that's right. And if you suck it into the air intake, well, then you even got another. <laughs> now, that's going to be an immediate. Yeah, we, we got another big, big, right. big issue. So a couple of uh, good ones there. I got another one here from Oakville, Connecticut. And gentleman's got a Subaru Outback. He said he's got about six years old. And he was wondering, he said, I'm fixing to have to buy tires for the car. Would it be prudent to go ahead and change the tire pressure monitor sensors uh-huh. on the car while I've got them broken down? And my thought on that is I would wait until and unless those sensors go out. Number one, the sensors are relatively expensive. Right. Number two, they're not that difficult to come back and change. And number three, many times they might last, some do go out at six or seven years, but some last 10 years. I think the average life is 8 to 10. Yeah, something I read on the service data. Yeah, and about 8 to 10. The newer ones seem to last a little bit longer than the first ones that came out. I think what they've done is it used to be a little, well, they all got a battery in them that Uh transmits. Earlier ones used to transmit every minute or so they'd send data out and the newer ones actually transmit less frequently and they also have combined a motion sensor in them to where when the vehicle's sitting still like if you're just sitting there with the key on right they don't transmit exactly they've actually got a, a sleep mode you actually have to to roll the vehicle when it starts to, to, wake to roll up. it determines hey this vehicle's in motion so when now get... it starts to read correct all of these things cut drain on the battery uh-huh. which extends the life of the battery right and then battery technology has gotten a little better too so I don't think I would go to the extent of replacing those. Not right now. Until or unless they give you a problem, just because it may be quite a while before it actually happens, and if it happens, it happens. It's relatively easy to go back and change them. Yeah, there are things you do when you do something else or – preemptively. For instance, I would be real big on doing a preemptive repair, such as let's change the water pump when we're doing the timing belt. Correct. And reason being, I've got timing belt off the car. The water pump's sitting right there. Now, it's probably almost five hours labor to come back and change this water pump. Uh-huh. And the water pump is not that expensive. They generally do not last the life of the car. It's probably got 90 to 100,000 miles on it now. And it's actually being driven by the belt. That's right. Built. So it only makes sense that we're going to go ahead and replace this two while we're there. Now, the other side of the coin is let's say the water pump are on the outside of the engine, like on a chain driven engine. Well, I wouldn't just go change the water pump because it might go out. No, sir. Because it might not go out, number one. Number two, the part you buy may not be any better than the one you've taken off. <laughs> and number three, it's on the outside of the engine, relatively easy to get to. That's right. It's fairly easy to fix later on. So you might just go ahead and wait on that. Uh-huh. And that's where an experienced technician can come in and tell you, this is what we need to do now because of this reason, or we need to wait on this because... Mm-hmm. this is easier to do later. That's right. Then it's always a judgment call. Sure. And you, well, judgment call, you can always be wrong, but your odds are always going to be in your favor if you follow those rules. Exactly. Hey, we're just about totally out of time, so we're going to go ahead and start moving on out of here. I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week, and tell your friends, go to iTunes, give us a written rating. Yeah, I really appreciate it when you go to iTunes and give us a written rating because that moves us up and more people can hear so... Really would. And we're really trying to get to the top of the list. That's right. That's right. We had 95 (laughs) ratings in there. I'd sure like to see 100 of them. I would. Hit the century mark, you know. There you go. A preceding opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.